Hey there, friends, and welcome to episode 222 of Just the Zoo of Us. This week, I got to talk with an environmental educator about our very own backyard apex predators, bobcats. We discuss topics including, but not limited to, tail nubs, ear tufts, coyote pee, the bobcat's final smash, relationship tips from nature, tomcat jowls, and the interconnectedness of every member of the ecosystem from the tiniest rodent all the way up to the bald eagle. Just the Zoo of Us presents Bobcats with Jameson Cole. It's Ellen Weatherford with your favorite animal review podcast, Just the Zoo of Us. I'm so excited to be here with y'all this week, and I have a brand new friend to bring you. This is Jameson Cole. Say hi, Jameson. Hello, everybody. Jameson, what are your pronouns real quick? Uh, They, them. Thank you so much. We're talking about a really cool critter this week that I have a little bit of like in person, not like up close experience, but like a little bit. I kind of know them, but that can wait because before we're talking about our cool animal for this week, I'd like to talk about you a little bit. Jameson, for our friends listening, what got you into the work that you do with wildlife and nature? Yeah. So growing up, I always just really loved being outside and running around. You know, kids with ADHD need places to run around and what better place than the great outdoors? (laughs) No walls. There's nothing for me to break out there. It's great. (laughs) Nothing. nothing. (laughs) Surprisingly enough, never got like a broken bone or anything, but I was running wild, climbing trees, digging stuff up, touching bugs I probably shouldn't have touched. But (laughs) what got me into like wildlife and nature and conservation and stuff, it's hard to say. My dad always called me a tree hugger growing up. And so I think I just kind of embraced that by like the age of eight. I was like, yeah, we're doing that. And then plot twist, I went into college thinking I was going to be a dancer and I was a dance major. And then I had two hip surgeries. All good. In BD. I'm still dancing. But it did like set me back a couple of years. And I was like, let's just switch gears just so that I could be doing something productive and feel good about it. This is completely not related, but what what kind of dance? Honestly, my favorite is jazz. I'm a big fossy person, but I dabbled in a lot of things. So I did like hip hop and ballet and point and like modern styles and tap. But my favorite was jazz. And a lot of school, like university programs focus more on like modern. So I guess I was probably more focused on modern and like technical kind of stuff as well. I think there are a lot of like ways you could draw inspiration from like nature and wildlife in dance, I bet. For sure. I really love exploring that specifically. I work at a summer camp sometimes and we you know, spend a lot of time outside with the kids. And so like when you are doing like less naturey kind of stuff and more like creative kind of stuff, you're looking for ways to tie in like, well, we, the whole point of us being here is that we are in the woods. So like they draw pictures of animals they see. They sing songs about the plants that they see. So like that's another big part of it is like, okay, we're moving our bodies and we are inspired by the things around us. And I think that that is so important. But yeah, so I switched tracks again and went back into like science and stuff and really fell in love with like conservation work and I had a professor that really helped me fall in love with sea turtle and marine conservation. Easy to fall in love with. 
Right. Not a hard sell on that one. <laughs> no, absolutely not. I was like in my last year and I was like, you know, I really want to do this. And my advisor was like, you're almost done with biology. And I was like, no, I'm switching to environmental and sustainability. I'm never turning back. Sorry. Probably a lot of like transferable like knowledge there, right? Like you can carry a lot of that over. For sure. You can carry a lot of that over. It was very transferable and really easy to switch into. And it was it was great. And I loved it so much. And so that's how I am where I am. <laughs> the journey of my life. Awesome. And where you are now is working with wildlife and uh, conservation in North Carolina. Can you tell us a little bit about what that career is like for you? For sure. I just finished up a contract season at a state park in North Carolina working as an educator. So I worked a lot with like field trip groups and just like public groups that came into the park and summer camps and stuff like that. So just finished up a season there and I also work on this ocean advocacy workshop that I'm definitely going to plug again later. So that's kind of where I'm at right now and then planning to go back to summer camp over the summer to do more conservation kind of advocacy kind of stuff. Is it mostly young people that you're working with? Yes, I work a lot with young people. I find that young people are just really fun to work with. I really fell in love with the whole idea of conservation and young people. Through working at summer camp, I realized that that was right up my alley because there's a very different bar for professionalism. There's a lot more silliness expected of you. (laughs) (laughs) And it's really easy to be creative when you're working with young people as opposed to like being a professional in conservation a lot of times looks like writing grants or sending letters to like senators and stuff. And I am a very silly person. So (laughs) working with young people just goes a lot better. (laughs) We should all be incorporating more silliness into even adult professionalism. That's what I'm saying. I don't know why we're not. (laughs) We should all be getting a little sillier. Everybody's cubicles would do a lot more good if they were just a little goofier, (laughs) just had a little more fun. (laughs) Especially in young people, you see a lot of kids with that passion and energy for nature and wildlife and conservation. And they have that like optimism and like I can do it sort of mentality of being young, right? And it's just like they have so much momentum that you right. see fizzle out so quickly when you yeah. hit like adulthood. So it, right. it's just like so great to like work or be around like kids that still have that like yeah. passion and drive and be like, let me let me help you stoke those coals. Yeah. <laughs> like 14 year olds are like infamously like so too cool for things and so when you get the opportunity to work with young people who still have that drive and that like connection to the outdoors and like have the motivation and the momentum like you were saying like it is so fantastic because they haven't lost it yet they haven't been like baited into like whatever adulthood thinks it should be but like even as an adult you could be like hey i can take like the passion and like the energy that you have and introduce you to adult skills (laughs) right right i know how to operate machinery (laughs) (laughs) i'm forklift certified (laughs) (laughs) together we can change the world me and my forklift But there's been so many times where the kids I've worked with have come up to me and been like, I didn't know that this could be a job or like have asked, how did you get to do this as a job? Because I feel like when I was younger, I thought that jobs were like doctor, teacher, nurse, and people who work fast food. Like it's like, those are your options for jobs. Nobody gets cool jobs. And then you grow up and you graduate from college and you realize that there are so many cool jobs in the world that now you're like trying to pin one down and you're like, oh, 
I want to do all the cool ones. Exactly. I'm a big fan of like temporary and seasonal work because I want to hop around and do all of the cool jobs that there are. All of them. The job that I left in Florida, which it broke my heart to have to leave this job because I loved it and I'll never find one like it anywhere else, was I worked at a resource center for queer youth. And so, like you said, like so many 14 year olds are like too cool for stuff. But these were all like young people who were there for like a common like unifying purpose and had just like smashed through that too cool for things aura. Yeah. When you get them to forget that they're too cool for stuff and they get really invested in whatever you're doing. (laughs) But that's another thing, like being like a trans person in my field. I know what I am to a lot of young people and that makes me feel really great because I know that they are seeing like that as a trans person who is an adult and has a job and is like open about being trans and it's doing something that I'm interested in and that is so pleasing to be able to say that I am that for somebody not to like toot my own horn but like it does feel good that I am recognizing and that they're recognizing and like we see each other. Yeah, seeing trans joy, you know, yeah, like exactly. seeing someone thriving and killing it. Like it's, right. it's comforting. Right, exactly. So now you get to experience the joy of communicating science to young, passionate people and getting to experience working with animals, working with wildlife. I don't know how much has your career overlapped with the animal we're talking about today, the bobcat? Not a negligible amount. Maybe bobcat adjacent. Right. When I was working at the state park where I just finished a season, I taught about a variety of animals that lived within that park and within North Carolina. And so we hit on a few like key mammal species. And this was one of them. I cannot tell you how distraught I was when I realized that you had already done a black bear episode because I was like, oh, Oh. (laughs) I love black bears. And then I was like, no, it's okay. Of course, somebody already did it because that's a cool animal. It's everybody's like They're just friendly babies. I love black bears. They're friendly little guys. They've got the cutest little ears. But anyway, so yeah, one of the like key species we talked about was the bobcat because they are a very prevalent species in North Carolina and all throughout the U.S. But the bobcat is like a North American icon, right? Like, right. that's just one of the guys. You're going to see them out around. Right. They're, they're everywhere. So for people who are listening from like outside of the bobcat's domain of terror, could you <laughs> introduce us a little bit to, the, to our kitty cat friend? Absolutely. I would love to. So our bobcat is a beautiful kind of lynx that lives in North America, all throughout the U.S., and then a little bit of southern Canada, and then down into Mexico. Like I said, it is a kind of lynx, um, which is a kind of cat. I didn't know there were kind of lynxes. Yeah, so there's a Canadian lynx, and then there's the bobcat that we're talking about. It's a genus. So the scientific name is lynx rufus, and... Mm. There are two subspecies of bobcats. There's the western one and the eastern one. Um, So obviously I'm in the range of the eastern one because I'm from North Carolina, Wahoo. And then you're in the western range. So uh, you would see lynx rufus fasciatus and then I would see lynx rufus rufus. Um, I've also seen it written as felis rufus. And I don't know what that difference is. I don't know if they got reclassified at some point. And so I'm just still seeing the felis in like older literature. I couldn't figure out where that comes from. Anyone who's listening to this and has a baby to name, Lynx Rufus is an incredible first name. Or Felix Rufus. (laughs) Either one. Like incredible like first name, middle name combo. Lynx Rufus. I might steal it actually. (laughs) The first time I saw that, I was like... That's a great name. <laughs> Wish I had seen that before I transitioned. <laughs> Let me put that in my in my next like D and D ideas journal for like my next character. <laughs> like I just beat Baldur's Gate three. I'm about to start a new save. Like I just need to 
Lynx Rufus is going right up there. Jot that down. Jot that down. Uh, so their scientific <laughs> name is Lynx Rufus. There are two subspecies, and they are listed on the IUCN's red list as least concern, They're which is great. great. I love when you see a species under least concern. It's like, oh, yes, we got one. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't royally bungled this one. Right. So yeah, they're really cute little guys. One thing I didn't know about bobcats is how small they are. For the longest time, I, for whatever reason, just imagined that they were like, I don't know, I thought they were bigger than they are. And then the first time I saw like, they are one and a half to two feet at the shoulder. And then I like visualized how big that is. So that's like twice the size of like a house cat. I was like, whoa, that is way smaller than I thought. <laughs> Which like, because people like to make a big deal about bobcats. They right. like to be like, oh no, like be careful because there's bobcats out there. Like I could, right. I could punt a bobcat. <laughs> I could punt a bobcat. I wouldn't, but I could. No, don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't do it. In an but, emergency. <laughs> in an emergency, maybe. But like, honestly, the first time I like visualized, I was like, hold on. This whole time I thought they were like, I was like, I thought I was about to have to fight like a baby lion or something. No, that's just a little guy. That's just a really big Maine Coon. Like, it is not that serious. They are, but they are kind of, they are sturdy, which they have to be because they're predators. But they're kind of like brownish and have like spots and stripes. And sometimes they can have like a little bit of a reddish tinge on their back. And then they have like a white little belly. Oh, and their namesake, of course, how could I forget? Because they have these short little tails that are like, less than five inches which is why they are called bobcats it's a nub because it looks like they have a little bobbed tail they're little nubs they're like the boxers of the cat world <laughs> <laughs> it reminds me of like a like a manx cat have you ever seen like a manx cat how they have like the little nub tail and then they have these like really long back legs too oh yeah you know what you mentioned that they're a type of lynx do they have the tufts on the ears i've never gotten a close look at a bobcat i always whenever i see them it's from far away i've never been like up close and personal do they have the little tufts they do they have little itty bitty tufts on top of their ears like many other lynxes that's so good yeah how amazing but the thing is nobody really gets to see them because they are so elusive which i'll get into later you could live near a bobcat your whole life it's like how people say like you're never more than six feet from a spider you could live next to a bobcat your whole life and never see it. Look to your left. Look to your right. If neither of those people is a bobcat, <laughs> then you're the bobcat. You are you were the bobcat all along. <laughs> the real bobcat was the friend we made along the way. Okay, so I have seen bobcats outside in Florida. It was like our backyards, a retention pond, and then just woods on the other side of the retention pond. And our neighbor was really cool and set up a night vision trail cam on the other side of the retention pond. It was motion activated. So anytime something came out of the woods up to the pond, it would capture whatever was walking around back there. And on like the first night that he set it up, he got video of a pack of coyotes and like three bobcats oh that were just goodness. like chilling in the backwoods the whole time, the whole time had no idea they were back there. That's amazing. I bet you saw some really cool stuff on that trail cam. That's so cool. Three of them. I don't know if it was like three. It could have been the same bobcat three times, but uh, it looked to me like multiple bobcats. But I just thought it was so cool how like we had no clue they were there. No. And you never would. Apex predators in our backyard. Amazing. <laughs> They're amazing. Have you ever heard a bobcat? I haven't. 
they'll make like a couple different noises sorry i wrote down like the words i wanted to use to describe it um so they have like a <laughs> let me hear those onomatopoeias <laughs> here we go so they they can like chortle it's almost like a chortle growl bark it's like the sound that they put in like cartoons when cats are fighting yeah 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 the yowling kind of sound yeah but it's like a growlier version and it's like they're screaming and like i was watching a video of them like almost doing that as like a bark and it was like so bizarre because they're just like it was just like standing still and it was like ah ah very strange (laughs) i also read somewhere that they like chirp don't know what that means that's a bobcat not a bird it makes me think of the way that cats do the sound like when they see like a yeah. bird or something. Like yeah. the little, like, oh, ik, yeah. Ik, <laughs> that's exactly what that means. Which is yeah. very cute. Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah, they make weird noises. Bobcats are scary. Imagine you don't know that there's bobcats and then you hear them. You're like, that's ghosts. That's ghosts and demons. <laughs> that's ghosts and demons. <laughs> what, this, this isn't bobcat related, but I was at um, the park I worked in had like a wetland area and I was down there with a group one night and it was like, 9 p.m. and we heard this like howling and I thought it was another group because we as a group of employees were very prone to just howling with our kids and so I thought that I was just hearing another group like howling for fun and then I was like this is going on for a really long time (laughs) and then the next morning we went back to the wetland and it smelled like really weird and I was like that's coyote pee coyotes have a really distinct urine smell and I was like we were hearing coyotes. Oh, <laughs> that's the kind of insight you're not going to get in a book. Okay, no. you got to be there <laughs> to you know the to coyote pee smell. <laughs> yeah, I was like, guys, do you smell that? Everybody, take a deep inhale. <laughs> <laughs> that's enrichment for the day. It's a sensory experience. <laughs> there we go. You know how, like, for animals in zoos, sometimes they'll, like, introduce different smells as enrichment. They'll, like, give them, like, something that's been, like, sprayed with you. That's like you're giving enrichment to, like, summer (laughs) camp kids. (laughs) Today's activity, coyote pee. Coyote pee. Take a deep breath. (laughs) But, yeah, I've never, I'm going to be so honest with you, I've never seen one out in the wild. As long as I worked at that park, I never saw one because they don't want you to see them. And I don't think I ever heard one either. This sounds like they're doing the job. Yeah, exactly. I'm just saying, mission accomplished. They're so effective. It's funny you say that. (laughs) (laughs) Because it just so happens that if this is your first time ever listening to this podcast, our whole deal is that we review animals by rating them out of 10 in different categories, the first of which is effectiveness. It's how good this animal is at doing the things it's trying to do using what's built into its body. So what do you give bobcats out of 10 for effectiveness? If I may be so bold... (laughs) I deem the bobcat 10 out of 10. This is your episode, and so you can be as bold as you want. (laughs) I was a little hesitant to give a 10 out of 10 because I was like, well, I don't know. That seems a little excessive. And then I was like, no, actually, I'm going to stick with it. And for one specific reason that I will divulge in a moment, they're very effective. They can run. They can swim. They can climb. They could do a triathlon. They can swim. They can swim. Yeah. I've not witnessed this. (laughs) I haven't either, (laughs) but they can. And they're very strong and they have a great sense of smell and they have great vision. They're very effective predators. So effective, in fact, that, and this is the, the thing that pushed me to stick to my guns with the 10. 
a bobcat could take down a deer. Now, there's a there's a large size differential here happening. Yeah, <laughs> yeah which, which takes me back to a minute ago when we were like, no, I could take a bobcat, I'd punt him. A bobcat could take down a deer. So I think a bobcat <laughs> could take down a me. I'm rethinking <laughs> what I said earlier. <laughs> I'm reassessing. <laughs> I've changed my mind. You know the thing that's like asking dudes what is the biggest animal they think they could take in a fight? And they always and- say like, a grizzly bear. <laughs> everything everything i'm learning about bobcats has me bumping that like size back down i'm like maybe i couldn't actually somebody asked me how many geese i think i could take and i was like maximum of one one and i would lose and they were like i think i could take on three and i was like no you couldn't (laughs) i know you couldn't so yeah bobcats can take down deer which is amazing to me because bobcats like we said are like maybe two feet tall at the shoulder they're maybe 30 pounds if you've got a sizable bobcat you it's maybe in the 30 pounds range like deer are much bigger than that i don't think necessarily it could take down like a big strong buck but it could definitely take on like a decent sized doe like that's Mm. amazing i also think they're really effective and amazing at being predators because they are opportunistic predators, so they will prey on whatever animal is like convenient to them. But they do have a preference for rabbits. And that says to me, if they could take on anything they want and they get to choose rabbits most of the time, good for them. <laughs> they could take on something smaller like a bird or a squirrel and they're choosing rabbits. Which are not easy to catch. Right. They have the the privilege to choose. <laughs> wow, that's pretty effective. <laughs> they can also, I forgot to say this earlier when I said they could run, but they can run up to like 30 miles per hour. You are not outrunning a bobcat. Absolutely not. No. <laughs> so you're going to punt it and then what? It's right back in your face, like seconds yeah. later. <laughs> it's right back there. <laughs> it's like, what now? You wasted your turn. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. You punted it into the lake. Oh, guess what? They can swim. <laughs> You're not safe. You are not getting no. away from this encounter. You're not getting away from that bobcat. Their movement speed is 30 feet. They got you. <laughs> They're on it. Back in when we lived, when we had bobcats behind our house, you know what we didn't have behind our house? Rabbits. Any squirrels. Squirrels. Zero squirrels. And Never saw a squirrel. Squirrels are everywhere. Yeah, not in our backyard. It wasn't. <laughs> because you had a bobcat (laughs) we had bobcats i will say we did see rabbits behind the house a couple of times but not often so the the rabbits had to have been real quick it's like when people get cats just to like keep around their house to keep mice out of their house you guys just Mm. have like an all-natural like barn cat And I know a lot of people would probably be sad. You know, you see the bunnies in your backyard and you're like, oh, bunnies. I love mm-hmm. them. They're perfect and amazing. And they're so cute. And then they're gone. And you're like, oh, the bobcats got them. And I know like the tendency is to be like, that's so sad. But I'm like, oh, bobcats, they're so cute. <laughs> <laughs> no, exactly. I, like, I see a lot more documentaries nowadays that will like do that first thing of being like, oh, the poor antelope, the lion is going to kill that poor, beautiful, graceful antelope. And then like two minutes later, they're like, look at the poor lion cub. The mom didn't catch the antelope, and now look what happened to the lion cub. Don't you feel bad now? <laughs> yes, and I'm like, what? Well, hold on. How? Do, why, why is this now my fault? Right. I'm like, oh, no, I didn't mean to cheer for the antelope. I'm just on the side of whatever, I guess. <laughs> I didn't want this. Sorry. Right. I didn't mean for that to happen. 
But bobcats are like your little backyard apex predator. And they're so like small and they're pretty subtle. Are they like active at night? Is it, Are they mostly out at night? Maybe that's why we don't see them. They are pretty adaptable. Um, they can be out any time of day and they are active year round, but they are primarily crepuscular. And crepuscular <gasps> is a fantastic word. I love this word. It's a great one. I love animals <laughs> that are crepuscular. Just try it. Just say it out loud. Mm, such a good mouthfeel. Mm, say it with us. Crepuscular. crepuscular. Oh, it's perfect. <laughs> crepuscular. So crepuscular animals are primarily active in like the hours of dawn and dusk. So when it's like starting to get bright outside and then when it's like the sun's going down, a lot of animals are like this. White-tailed deer can be like this and bobcats are like this a lot. And we see a lot of animals that are active like this and we sometimes call it rush hour because <laughs> that's when a lot of animals are either coming out because they're nocturnal, going to bed because they're diurnal, or just being active because they're crepuscular. So it's a pretty magical time. I like that. They have like the same sort of like activity schedule that we do, like that 5 p.m., you know, like uh-huh. everyone's trying to get out, get their get their errands done. Yeah, they're just getting their errands done. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to ask another thing about their effectiveness. They can do this thing called a death blow. A what? A death blow. And it's how they like take down bigger prey like deer, but it's like they pounce like 10 feet and just like death blow it's like how alligators do the like death roll where it's like they got Mm. you in the death roll you're done it's so they pounce and deliver a death blow and it just absolutely takes out whatever they're hunting wow what is like it's like a bite is that what they're doing like they're just getting like height for a bite i think it's yeah just like a really powerful pounce with nails and teeth involved and just taking down whatever they're after it's their uh, final smash sure yeah it's, it's, it's their ultimate ability they, they've yeah. been they've been saving it up <laughs> exactly they got their like health levels up and now they're doing a death blow you got to build up your meter and right. by, through combat and then you save up enough and now you can do your death blow exactly now you can do your death blow is that how they're taking down deer because it seems like with a deer you're gonna need to like when you're little you gotta like bring some oomph to it yeah so i saw one video of like a bobcat taking down a deer and it jumped onto its back for the death blow and then that way like they could get it from behind and get its neck and yeah so i think it's still a little bit of a fight but like on like a smaller animal like a rabbit like your death blow you pounce on it with your teeth and your nails and that rabbit is done it doesn't take a lot of fighting for that one (laughs) You think the rabbit sees the bobcat coming for it and it's like, guess that's it for me. I guess we're done here. <laughs> well, it's been a good one, boys. <laughs> I guess we're wrapping things up. All right. That's enough for me. <laughs> and for us as humans, we're, we see the bob- bobcat. We're like, oh, it's so cute, little kitty. But for a rabbit, they're like, that's the angel of death. That is death. That's the grim reaper for a rabbit. <laughs> that's the grim reaper. Hey, y'all, we're going to take a quick break to hear from a couple of our friends over on the Maximum Fun Network. When we get back, we are talking ingenuity and aesthetics for bobcats. So stay with us. Hallelujah. Hello. Welcome, everyone. Step right up. We're going to heal you. We are the healers, Ross and Carrie. Yes, yes. You there. You look like you're upset. Come up here. Yes, you are healed because you've listened to our podcast. Yes. Have you been having trouble with demons? Are you sleeping too much? Too little? Just right? We have the solution. It is to listen to Oh Oh No, No, Ross Ross and and Carrie. A show where we examine unusual claims. We show up so you don't have to. Find us on MaximumFun.org. We won't actually heal you. 
The human mind can be tricky. Your mental health can be complex. Your emotional life can be complicated. So it helps to talk about it. I'm John Moe. Join me each week on my show, Depression Mode with John Moe. It's in-depth conversations about mental health with writers, musicians, comedians, doctors, and experts. Folks like Noah Khan, Sashir Zameda, and Surgeon General Vivek Murthy. We talk about depression, anxiety, trauma, imposter syndrome, and perfectionism. We have the kind of conversations that a lot of folks are hesitant to have themselves. Listen, and you won't feel as alone, and you'll have some laughs, too. Depression Mode from Maximum Fun at MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Our next category that we rate animals on is ingenuity. This is behaviors. These are things the animal is actually doing with their body to solve problems that they face. This is a predator, so this might be ways that they might hunt their prey or maybe ways that they don't become prey themselves. What do you give bobcats out of 10 for ingenuity? I... If I may be so bold twice, Mm. I am giving them a 10 out of 10 for ingenuity. Let's go. Because they're very strategic. They go into like stealth mode when they're hunting prey. And so they'll do this very interesting thing where as they're walking, when they move one front foot, they'll put their back foot exactly where that front foot was. And it greatly reduces how much noise they make. And so it's like they're Mm. like putting on a silencer and it's really effective. So they go into like stealth mode. I have actually seen this happen recently. This was not in the wild. This was at this park close to us called Northwest Trek, which is like, it's like a zoo, but it's only animals that are native to the Pacific Northwest. And it's very much just like a big chunk of the woods where like there are just some enclosures in the wood like it's just the woods are already there oh that's neat it's not just like you know things that were built for i mean you know they build like little pools for the bears and stuff like that but it's for the most part just the woods that were already there that they just put little fences in to like house some of the animals and they have bobcats and luckily christian thought to bring his binoculars because we would not have been able to see this without the binoculars but i don't know what the bobcats got their eye on but we were watching the bobcats that were just kind of sitting there not really doing anything and then all of a sudden something got their eye and they both crouched down to the ground fully like when your cat sees like a bird out your window or something elbows up belly to the ground intense stare and we're just motionless and they start doing that little shimmy it was such a slow they were trying to move imperceptibly slow like a like drax from the guardians of the galaxy when he's like i'm moving so slowly that you can't see me they were like really slowly inching forward and we thought that if we could just sit there for long enough we'd see them pounce on something but they moved so slowly we were there for like 10 minutes and they didn't do it they were just like doing this sort nobody can see what i'm doing because this is audio only but they were just like inching forward so imperceptibly slowly that we were like okay all right that's so much more patient than i i would not make it as a predator i'd be like i can't wait i'm just gonna pounce now i need immediate gratification (laughs) immediate i don't have time to stalk this animal for 10 minutes that's too long. Nope, couldn't be me. <laughs> I can barely sit in line at Taco Bell for 10 minutes. Like, that's already <laughs> a big ask for me. <laughs> this is why we invented the drive through It's optimal foraging is what it is. Optimal. Exactly. It's optimal foraging. <laughs> so that I wouldn't have to do this. 
<laughs> yeah, we're just like smarter and better. So just like kind of get on our level. Just perfect in every way. Right. So maybe they could take some notes. We're maybe just like a superior species. Um, maybe the best. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> That's the true point of the podcast, is just dunk on everybody for not being us. Like. Just dunking on every animal every week. <laughs> I give them a six out of ten because they'll never be me. Um. Get thumbs, nerd. <laughs> uh, but yeah, they're really, really good at hunting. They're also, they'll like store food, um, which I think is really smart. So if they do take down something big like a deer they'll store it away to have something to eat later instead of just like leaving half of a deer uneaten in the woods. It's like, well, now I got lunch. So they have leftovers. And I think it's really amazing when a species invents leftovers. I think that's really smart. (laughs) That's just the next step. That's evolution. That's the next one. When you develop leftovers. (laughs) And when they get thumbs, we'll talk, but they're almost on our level. They're trying. They're also, I think this is a really smart thing that they do. So I I have like four things for why they're so ingenuous is that a word i don't know they have a lot of ingenuity ingenious yeah that probably makes more sense (laughs) for for why they have such a remarkable ingenuity they're incredibly non-confrontational which they could be if they wanted to be like within their own species they do a lot to like mark their boundaries and don't really want to get into territory fights with nearby bobcats and so they'll mark their territories using scent so like we know like with dogs they'll mark their territory they'll urinate on things so they do stuff like that they also utilize a lot of body language to communicate to other bobcats like whatever they need to communicate whether that's something for mating or like saying back off or like whatever so they're not confrontational they don't want to fight any other bobcats they're also very solitary species, which lends itself to not being confrontational because if they if they lived in like family groups or in like a pack or something, there would be fights to be like mating with like the same females or like whatever. No power struggle here. They're not fighting with anybody. They're just on their own. <laughs> they're independent. Game recognizes game. They're like, you're good. We're good. We're just parallel. You're good. I'm good. We're, <laughs> we're on our own tracks, you know? They do have very distinct territories and the size of their territories can vary widely. So they can have like a territory that's like half of a square mile or like 30 square miles. And obviously that would depend on the population density. So, I mean, if you have like 30 bobcats in your backyard, (laughs) they're all going to have a pretty small territory. And yeah, like I said, they'll mark that territory so that, you know, like this is where I am. Please leave me alone. This is my house. <laughs> and they like they're like, you know what? I'm gonna respect your space. We don't need to duke it out. Well, it's all good. I'll just We're choosing love. I see you've got your thing going on. <laughs> I respect the hustle. <laughs> they're pacifists. Except for when they have to deliver their death blow. Maybe they're just like, listen, bobcats are the supreme being. This is the best species ever. We need to really preserve our numbers. of Right. And that's why there's so many of them. That is why they are of least concern, because they stopped with the infighting <laughs> and they discovered leftovers. They unionized <laughs> and they're stronger together. <laughs> stronger together. Exactly. Stronger together, but still separately in their own territories. Yeah, respecting distances. They're social distancing. (laughs) And it's working out great for them. Yeah, they're on it. 
But yeah, so they'll communicate so that they don't have to be confrontational through synths and then also through those like sounds that I was talking about earlier where they'll like chortle or growl or like bark or chirp or whatever so that they can talk to their fellow bobcats. A huge takeaway from this episode, communicate so you don't have to be confrontational. Communication is key. Exactly. Communicate, set boundaries, respect boundaries. Look, you see, it's working great for bobcats. Exactly. They've got it figured out. We can all take a page from their book um, because we have thumbs and so we could do that. Uh, <laughs> so we have books we can learn from. <laughs> yeah, we have we have books and we have thumbs. So, um, <laughs> uh, And then the last thing that I wrote down for ingenuity, bobcats have multiple dens. So they'll have like their main den that's like their house uh, where they'll like sleep at night and it's like a nice big den or however big they want it to be. Sometimes it's like a den where they keep their babies if they have babies. And then they'll have auxiliary dens that are scattered throughout their range and that can be a place to like rest during the day or to hide prey or just to like duck and camouflage if they need to camouflage. So, which also lends itself to why they're so elusive and why not a lot of people see them is because they have these dens that they're just like tuck into. And so a lot of times these dens are like under overturned trees or in little rock caves or just whatever little like hollow place that they find and they'll just go hide out in there. I like that. I wish I had a little like mobile den I could just carry with me. So if I'm like out doing errands, I can just be like, hold on, let me just tuck in right here real quick. I mean, I guess that could be like my car. (laughs) I could be like, I gotta go sit in my car for a minute. (laughs) It does kind of work like that sometimes. You're like, let me just duck into my car real quick. Let me just have my little uh, little log that I can crawl under (laughs) and nobody can see me for a little while. (laughs) I gotta go sit in my log and and listen to Taylor Swift for a minute. (laughs) (laughs) There are so many life lessons I think we could learn from the Bobcat. I think we're learning a lot from them today. I agree. Oh, I forgot to say this when we were talking about effectiveness, but they have really good camouflage, which with a lot of animals that have like spots and stripes and things, people instantly are like, how are stripes going to help you camouflage? I see stripes. But the thing is, bobcats really like living in the woods. And so with the way that shadows and light look on everything in the woods, it really helps with their camouflage because it creates that illusion of shadow and light. And so even if they're moving, and especially if they're moving really slowly, like you were saying, it can be almost like impossible to determine like, am I seeing leaves shifting or is that a bobcat? So yeah, they have really effective camouflage. It's really good for like breaking up the silhouette. Because like, exactly. you, you kind of know what a cat shape looks like, but yeah. if you're seeing just kind of like a blurry blob. You know, I bet it also really helps that they have short tails living in the woods. Because you know, mm. when cats are like kind of hunting something and their tails will flick back and forth, that would probably mm. be really noticeable. You're like, I know what a cat tail looks like. Yeah. And they're like, no, you don't. No, you don't. No, nope, not this one. <laughs> I don't even have one. So... <laughs> and the f- coloration of the fur pattern and like the spots and the stripes and everything they have going on is a great tie into the last category that we rate animals on which is aesthetics which is just how nice this animal is to look at this seems like kind of an easy sell i don't think there's a lot of room for controversy on this one (laughs) but oh no (laughs) uh what do you give bobcats out of 10 for aesthetics this is gonna seem kind of mean because i did give them a 10 out of 10 for their first two categories but hear me out i gave them a 9 out of 10 I didn't think this was going to be the place. Like, I didn't think this was going to be the one. Right. They are so, they are cute. 
and they are beautiful and they have their cute little tails and their little ear tufts and they're oh my goodness they are so incredibly soft at the job where I worked where I talked about bobcats quite frequently we had a pelt for educational purposes to show like the Mm. patterns and the like fur and it's incredibly soft and bobcat fur for a while was kind of in high demand I think it was like as recent as like the end of last century which is like that's really recent for fur to be in demand but they have this really really soft fur and i think that that bumps them up for aesthetics don't tell me that they have soft (laughs) fur because now i'm gonna get myself hurt (laughs) (laughs) come here kitty (laughs) 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 but they do i think have kind of i don't want to say boring colors because that seems mean but after listening to like the episodes on like the pupfish or like the animals with like the bright blue colors or like sockeye salmon how they like turn red it's like well these guys are just kind of brown um and brown's a great color don't get me wrong brown and white and kind of an orangish brown color they're fantastic colors and they have those beautiful patterns and that striking white tummy but you know they could be doing more (laughs) we could be doing more so that's why i give them a nine out of ten we've seen a lot from the cats right like we've seen a lot of work in the color department in cats we've seen like jaguars and tigers that have like really really strike so like yeah there's a little room i do like how like the common like fashion wisdom is not to like wear too many clashing patterns uh and bobcats are like no spots and stripes yes i will be having spots and stripes and white and brown and ear tufts and (laughs) short tail black and brown together it's okay we won't be we won't be doing too many accessories this is perfect we'll do every (laughs) color and pattern we want and you can't say anything about it because i'll kill you with my death blow (laughs) the paws are enormous and that's great yes they have really stocky legs and thick paws and i think that that is just so cute but and this is also another reason i bumped them down to a nine out of ten their heads look too small for their bodies to me (laughs) (laughs) I, i see it i do see it like you see a picture of a bobcat from the side like standing up and you're like huh I thought its head would be bigger. (laughs) (laughs) Look, I don't think that's right. Did someone draw you? (laughs) (laughs) It does look like a drawing. It's so interesting. And they have like these like mutton chops on the side of their faces. And it's like, huh, that's an interesting choice. It reminds me of like the tomcat jowls that like if you don't get your cat fixed, they get these like big like just big big old (laughs) jowls. Have you seen like tomcat jowls? I don't think so. Just look up Tomcat Jowls and it's ridiculous. <laughs> oh, that's so cute. Oh, their little cheeks. Oh, gumpy little guy. They do. I did Google Bobcat kittens because I did want to see what the read was on the kittens of the Bobcats. And a lot of the ones, I don't know if this is common or if it's just that I'm seeing a lot of the pictures of it, but the kittens have blue eyes and it's pretty cool that's cute (laughs) good they're little baby kitties with these bright blue eyes and some of them look kind of silly because some of them got eyes that aren't going the same direction as each other and that's really funny oh yeah they're so cute and do you see on the um pictures of the baby bobcats or the bobcat kittens do you see like the little pointies on the top of their ears 
just like the tiniest the tiniest little like starting of like devil horns coming out of the little cat yeah. ears it's so cute just a whisper of a tuft <laughs> oh they're so cute speaking of bobcat kittens bobcats usually have about one litter a year so also contributing to their high population numbers because they are reproducing every year and they'll have about two to four kittens in each litter and um they are on their own in about eight weeks so they're out of the den there. That's brutal to me. Yeah, they're... Like, time's up, my guy. Get on out yeah. of here. <laughs> yeah. They're born, like, furred and blind and, like, 10 ounces. And then eight weeks later, it's like, well, you're done drinking milk. Why are you still here? Goodbye. Um, No free rent. I'm sorry. Go get a job. <laughs> this is a good warning to people. Just because you see a kitten outside right. doesn't mean <laughs> that you need to intervene. <laughs> Oh, no. No, you do not. (laughs) I have heard quite a few times of people accidentally bringing in bobcats, like thinking they were like rescuing a feral outside kitten and it's a bobcat. It's because they're like, they're just so dang cute and they'd be easy to mistake as like a little house cat because they do have like the same approximate coloration and pattern as many house cats do. So like, you know, it wouldn't be hard to mistake them. It's reminding me a lot of how like, humans make the same mistakes with like dogs and coyotes so we'll be like oh there's a dog outside i better take it into my house and nurse Mm -hmm. it and rescue it and you're like that's a coyote and they belong there please put it back outside (laughs) you've kidnapped this wild animal (laughs) yeah i know i've seen like a lot of like tweets and stuff that'll be like guys look at this dog i just brought in and it's like nope that's that's a coyote put that outside don't give him a bath it's the weirdest thing this dog is so mean yeah <laughs> like guys this cat i found outside is a is really mean i don't know what to do look at this poor little kitten somebody chopped off its tail <laughs> <laughs> and it's really it keeps biting me <laughs> it's really weird it's terrible manners <laughs> these cats are you know they're apex predators but clearly as anybody i think who pays a lot of attention to nature and conservation knows that's not always enough and there are often still struggles that they may face so what is a bobcat up against like what kind of things are threatening bobcats now they do have that really beautiful fur and so they were being hunted for fur for a while but they're pretty much good on that front their numbers are doing great but like many other species they are sensitive to habitat fragmentation because developments are happening constantly so there's sensitive to habitat fragmentation. For people that maybe haven't heard that term before, what does habitat fragmentation mean? Absolutely. So habitat fragmentation is really common when uh, new developments are happening. So when buildings are built or roads are built and it breaks up the animal's natural habitat. So it breaks up patches of forest or it puts them on one side of a highway and the freshwater source they use is on the other side of the highway. So it breaks up where they would usually be living and can make it harder for them to get the resources they need and exist in the area that they are built to exist in. That highway also like presents its own threat, like because then they could right. get hit by a car while trying to cross over or something. It's really dangerous. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But the biggest threat that I have seen facing bobcats are rodenticides. It's like a pesticide, but for rodents. So it's something built to deter and kill rodents. But then when a bobcat then eats, for example, like a squirrel that has consumed a rodenticide, then it can get in that bobcat and it works its way up the food chain and it can hurt and even kill that bobcat because they ate that rodenticide 
through the squirrel. They're pretty dangerous for them. A lot of people don't necessarily think about the sort of broader ecological impact when you may be targeting like a rodent, right? You may be trying to target like squirrels or rabbits or whatever it is, but like it can be easy to forget that they have a place in Mm -hmm. the ecosystem that is bigger than just them. So you see, we've talked about this with like vultures and birds of prey and like often things that people set up to try to manage like an animal lower in the food chain. It has ripples that go way up. It was a really big thing with like DDT back in like Mm -hmm. the last century. And DDT is still used in some places today for like malaria and like mosquito control. But it was a really big thing with DDT where it was sprayed on the plants and then birds ate the plants and the birds were unable to reproduce effectively or reproduced really weak offspring. So yeah, that ripple effect is very important and very prevalent and does work its way up to humans um, in many ways. But it's not just important because it affects humans. It's important because it affects other species, and they're important too. Yeah. We almost lost, like, bald eagles over this. Right. So it's always important to, like, think about the big picture of things. It's it's never just about the squirrels or just about, right. even, like, just about the bobcats, right? Like, it's everybody has their own place. It's the circle of life. <laughs> yeah. Well, the bobcat so cute, so adorable, uh, just a perfect little apex predator. We love them. And before we wrap up for today, I would love it if you could let our friends listening know where they can go after this, like what sort of projects you're working on now or projects you want people to be aware of. If you've got anywhere on um, social media or on the internet, you want people to follow you, like where can people go now? All my social medias are pretty just like my own private stuff. So I don't really have anything to promote there. But as for um, other projects, I am helping plan the ocean advocacy workshop here in North Carolina. So if um, you are a college student in North Carolina or you're just somebody from the general public that's really interested in ocean advocacy, check us out. And we are also affiliated with the Plastic Ocean Project, which is based out of Wilmington, North Carolina. So definitely check them out. And you can just Google either of those and find those. So again, that was the Ocean Advocacy Workshop and the Plastic Ocean Project. And those are two really important projects that I work on. Yeah, I think that's all I really have to promote about me. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I'll include links to those things also in the episode description. So anybody listening can just scroll down and click through and check those things out. Thank you so much for joining us and sharing your passion and your knowledge about these wonderful animals. It's been an absolute delight. And we will talk to you later. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Thank you all so much for listening. I hope that the bobcat has dealt a death blow to your heart. If you liked what you heard today, I hope you leave behind some kind words for us in a review on your podcast app of choice. Like Jane is the best cat who said on Apple Podcasts, I listen to this podcast every night. I sometimes have to turn it off to fall asleep because it's so interesting. This listener also asked if we collect Pokemon cards. I did as a kid, but I passed my collection down to my own son, who now has his own collection spanning multiple binders. So the practice is indeed a rich tradition in our home. If you want to hang out with us online, we're on Facebook, Instagram, and Discord. Links to everything will be in the episode description. You can send me an email at ellen at justthezooofus.com if you have a cool animal you'd like to hear us talk about on the show. We'd also like to thank Maximum Fun for having us on their network alongside their other 
wonderful shows like the ones that you heard promos for here today. You can check those out and learn more about the network and how you can be a part of supporting our show over at MaximumFun.org. Finally, we would like to thank Louis Zong for our theme music. That's all for today, and we'll see you next week. Thanks. Bye. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.